Do you do you think Bruce Campbell? Uh, do you think he rocked to the unibrow? What was your take on that? Uh, very important question. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of made the movie, honestly. I think he did. I think he did rock the unibrow. I, I'm gonna say it. You know, I I would agree. Yeah, the unibrow. He really pulled it off. warn that these enduring creatures may lie dormant but are never truly dead. They may be recalled to active life through the incantations presented in this book. It is through recitation of these passages that the demons are given license to possess the living. Welcome to Pass the Fear, the weekly podcast where we give our own takes on horror movies and explore the opinions of our audience. I'm Ian. And I'm Marshall. And today we'll be reviewing The Evil Dead from 1981, a classic in the horror movie genre. Should I should I give a teaser? Throw us that teaser, Ian. Hit us All with right. it. Tease away. <laughs> Five college students take a vacation to an isolated cabin in the woods. The group soon discovers that the cabin used to be home to an old archaeologist and his wife. What the archaeologist uncovered could prove to haunt these students. For there's something outside in the forest something which has been dormant for a long time. But as these students are about to find out, that something has been resurrected. If they are to survive, they'll have to escape the evil dead. I like it. I like the way you ended it with the title. <laughs> well, that I think by now that's kind of my... No, yeah. It's, that's my thing. I'm going to say it every time, though. <laughs> I, like, I like how you did it this time. Yeah. I did it with the title. I like it. I feel like it was really unique and original. Never done that. <laughs> well, well, I guess I guess to start us off, um, what score did you give this movie? I So I've never seen this movie before. So I think this is one of the first movies that we watched that I hadn't had any background with. Uh, the other one being Mother. Um, so, But I knew it was old, but I knew it's a cult classic. So I was expecting honestly not to enjoy it that much i felt like you kind of had to be a part of that like kind of um fan base already to enjoy it mm-hmm. but i i ended up really enjoying it surprisingly so i gave it uh what i thought was really high for my original. i was expecting to go in with like a three or a four i i gave it a 7.5 in the end wow okay yeah. how about yeah. yourself Ian? um i was in a similar boat I think I had seen this movie, mm-hmm. but I forgot almost all of it. Um, and and I, yeah, and I was at first watching the movie. I was like, all right, I'm probably going to give this like a five for me. That's really a low score. Mm-hmm. Like that means like meddling horror movie. Like it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Not really crazy um, about it. But. but I don't know. After watching all the way through and for reasons that, uh, you know, we'll discuss after the summary. I got I got to give it a seven. Yeah. Seven out of ten. Sorry, we're sitting really at a seven point two five. Yeah. And uh our yeah. audience, they gave it they gave it a mostly yes. Well, th- didn't you forget to ask them <laughs> yeah. how they how much they enjoyed the well, movie this time? I just asked, did you enjoy the movie rather than asking how how would you rate the movie? So uh, it was a yes <laughs> or no response. <laughs> <laughs> of the seven responses, six said yes and one said no. <laughs> if if it were a score, it would be an 8.6 but we have we have how much did it scare you so on a scare factor you're looking at about a 
one or so. So take so take the average between those two, super scientific, and they give it six point eight. Yeah, like, like six point eight. Let's go six point nine, just because it's a better number. All right, yeah. So the audience gave the movie a score of six point nine. <laughs> okay, so now that you've gotten a teaser for the movie and our scores, uh, you can go ahead and decide if you want to watch this movie. Uh, if you've already watched it or you don't think it's for you, then stay tuned. I'll now be going into a recap of the whole movie, so we're uh, so we're all up to speed. Before we get into the summary, I uh, just wanted to give a trigger warning. There is a scene in this movie of notable length that contains supernatural sexual assault, so beware. Oh yes, this is true. Five Michigan State University students, Ash Williams, his girlfriend Linda, his sister Cheryl, their friend Scott, and Scott's girlfriend Shelly, travel to an isolated cabin in rural Tennessee as a vacation. As they drive to the cabin, we can see that there's something in the woods around them, but we're not sure what. Weird things start happening as well, the closer they get to the cabin. While Scott's driving, he almost crashes into an oncoming car due to the car wheel misbehaving. And as the group drives over a rickety bridge, large pieces of it fall off. Once they get to the cabin, a porch swing is moving on its own, but suddenly stops when Scott grabs the doorknob. After the group settles in, Cheryl begins drawing a picture of an old pendulum clock. The clot's pendulum stops while she's drawing, and she hears a faint demonic voice tell her to join us. Her hand becomes possessed, and it starts drawing on its own, moving in rigid and unnatural patterns. It draws a picture of a book with a demonic face on its cover. Although Cheryl is shaken after the incident, she does not mention it to the other four. Later in the evening, while the group is eating together, the cabin's cellar trapdoor flies open. Shelley, Linda, and Cheryl remain upstairs while Ash and Scott investigate the cellar. As they explore, they find strange witch-like objects. Among them is a book with demonic symbols and an unknown language in it, a ceremonial dagger, and an archaeologist's tape recorder. After they bring these items back upstairs, Scott starts playing the archaeologist's tape. The archaeologist reveals that the book is the Naturum de Manto, a Sumerian book of the dead. As the archaeologist begins talking about the resurrection of demonic entities that could possess the living, Cheryl turns the tape recorder off. Scott teases her for being scared and resumes the tape, at which point the archaeologist begins reciting the incantations that are thought to resurrect the demonic entity. Cheryl yells for him to turn it off, and a tree branch breaks through one of the cabin windows, startling everyone. After this event, the five turn in for the night. However, while everyone else has gone to bed, an agitated Cheryl goes into the woods to investigate strange noises. As she's walking through the woods, she is attacked and raped by demonically possessed trees. She manages to escape and returns to the cabin bruised and anguished. She wants them all to leave, but due to the reluctance of the others, she pleads that Ash at least take her back to town. Ash agrees, and while the car initially has trouble starting, they begin to drive out. Soon after they leave, however, they discover that the bridge to the cabin is destroyed. Cheryl panics as she realizes they are now trapped, and claims that the demonic entity will not let them leave. Back at the cabin, Ash listens to more of the tape, learning that the only way to kill the entity is to dismember a possessed host. While Linda and Shelley are playing a guessing game with cards, Cheryl starts to call out the cards correctly while staring out of the window. Her voice turns demonic as she succumbs to the entity and begins levitating. In a raspy and deep voice, she demands to know why they disturbed her sleep and threatens to kill everyone. She then attacks the group, stabbing Linda in the ankle with a pencil and throwing Ash into a shelf. Scott manages to knock Cheryl into the cellar and chains the trapdoor shut. Everyone fights about what to do. Shelley becomes paranoid upon seeing Cheryl's demonic transformation. 
She goes to lie down in her room, but is drawn to look out of the window, where a demon crashes through and attacks her. Shelley transforms as well, and attacks Scott. Scott accidentally throws her partway into the fireplace, but quickly pulls her out, still unsure if Shelley can be saved. Shelley attacks Scott again, and Scott stabs her in the back with the ceremonial dagger they had found earlier. At first, it appears to kill her, but she starts to reanimate. Ash stands stunned, with a firewood axe in hand as Scott yells for him to hit her. With Ash unable to move, Scott takes the axe and dismembers the possessed Shelley, and him and Ash bury the remains in a shallow grave outside. Shaken by the experience, Scott desperately wants to leave. Ash is reluctant, however, as Linda couldn't walk with her ankle injury, and the bridge was destroyed. Scott decides to leave on foot anyway, thinking a trail could lead back to town. He shortly returns, mortally wounded from the possessed trees, and dies while warning Ash that the trees will not let them escape alive. When Ash goes to check on on Linda, he is horrified to find that she too has become possessed from her ankle injury. She attacks him, but he stabs her with a ceremonial dagger, incapacitating her temporarily. While he initially prepares to dismember her with a chainsaw, he finds in the cabin shed he can't go through with it and decides to bury her instead. She revives and attacks him, forcing him to decapitate her with a shovel and retreat to the cabin. Back inside, Ash discovers that Cheryl has escaped the cellar. Ash tries to secure the house by locking all the doors and shuttering the windows. He also arms himself with a shotgun from the cellar. Having cleared most of the cabin, Ash goes back down to the cellar to check for Cheryl. As he's down there, the pipes burst and blood pours out on top of him. Ash retreats upstairs and rests against the front door with a shotgun in hand. Cheryl's hand bursts from the door, and she attempts to choke Ash. Ash manages to escape her grasp and then shoots Cheryl in the jaw. As Ash is barricading the door shut, Scott becomes possessed and reanimates. He attacks Ash and inadvertently knocks the Naturum de Manto close to the fireplace. Ash gouges Scott's eyes out and pulls a tree branch from Scott's stomach, causing him to bleed out and fall to the ground. Cheryl breaks through the barricade and knocks Ash to the floor. As Scott and Cheryl continue to attack Ash on the ground, Ash manages to grab the Naturum de Manto and throws it into the fireplace. While the book burns, Cheryl and Scott freeze in place, and then begin to rapidly decompose. Large demonic arms burst from both corpses, covering Ash in blood, but they too quickly break down. Dawn breaks, and Ash stumbles outside. As Ash walks away from the cabin, an unseen entity moves rapidly through the forest, rushes through the cabin, and attacks him from behind. I do actually have some backgrounds for this movie that I think is quite interesting. Okay. I'm not going to go into it too much, but I think it, I think it's quite helpful for this movie specifically. All right, cool. Let's hear it. Uh, so this movie was created by Sam Raimi and Robert Tappert, uh, and his production was also heavily assisted by Bruce Campbell, uh, who plays the star role of Ash. Now, this movie has a lot of interesting backgrounds, and I won't get into it too much just because there's so much to say. But I will read a quote from Robert Weisbrot uh, in his book, The Official Guide to the Xenoverse. Of course, Sam Raimi and Robert Tappert being the producers of Xenowarrior Princess. By January 1979, Raimi, a sophomore, and Tappert, just a few months shy of graduation, felt ready for bigger projects and dropped out of college to write, direct, and produce a horror movie. They soon discovered that attempting this without money or prior feature film credits would make for a real-life horror story. Just after resolving to pour all their time and money into their new production company, Renaissance Pictures, Remy and Tappert were evicted from their apartment while neighbors complained of the noise from their artistic endeavors. 
They persevered and were able to lure enough investors to finance four months of filming, but ran out of money midway through their movie. Brushing off these disasters as temporary nuisances, they completed the film in 1981, handling ever more tasks themselves as the crew dwindled during the last five weeks of production to the star, the sound man, and the cook. Finding a distributor added more than another year's frantic effort, but in 1983, The Evil Dead at last began to haunt audiences across the country and brought Rumi and Tappert a cult following among horror fans, critics, and fellow movie makers. I like it, yeah. Uh, I do agree the background is important for this movie. There's a lot to it kind of outside. Like like I said, it's a cult classic. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot to it outside of the film itself. There's a lot going on behind the scenes with every movie, but I think this movie in particular. Yeah, for sure. Now, getting back to the movie itself, uh, what should we start out with? I, we, we said we would talk about this in the chat, and I think it's mm-hmm. one of the first things we have to bring up because it's one of the things that sits most with me during the movie is uh, Ash, for the love of God, cannot get out from any shelves. Like, I think it's like his kryptonite. <laughs> it is terrible. <laughs> yeah, it, it, just to give some t- context. So, of course, there's the, the, the first time when Cheryl becomes possessed, right? And then she throws ash against the shelf, which, by the way, is completely empty. It's it's an empty shelf. Dude, it is some thin wood. Like, even if it's made out of, like, yes. a hearty, like, oak it, wood, it, it doesn't is even have thin. a backing. Like, there's yeah. no backing to it. Um, It's, like, yeah, it looks super light, made out of, like, particle board. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it just completely incapacitates uh, ash. And he's on the ground, like, wrestling with it as the rest <laughs> of the stuff. And then this happens again later in the movie with like a different shelf that was next to the original yes <laughs> and i just like no a shelf why and i was like ash really is just so weak in this movie um yeah but then later he picks up like the giant steel beam yeah or not steel beam but he picks up that big wooden beam and starts beating up the freaking zombies with it and i'm just like yeah, why, why is that yeah, so easy he, he starts beating up possessed linda with it and then he manages, like, she falls on it, but he still manages to decapitate her with a shovel because <laughs> he swings it up as she's falling down. But that man, I mean, I was surprised he didn't have difficulty getting out from under Linda's corpse. I mean, that, that's got to be a lot heavier than a shelf. It was, it was hilarious. Every time a shelf would hit him, I'd just be like, Ash, no. <laughs> no Get no, back no. up, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> but actually, one of the most curious things I was thinking as I watched through this movie was how much they really mess with gender roles. Cause they really, um, they get harsh with them sometimes, like really kind of emphasizing stereotypes and stuff. But then they also at other times flip it on its head. Um, the most notable is I don't, I can't think of another final last man. We always have the final last girl. Um, the survivor girl that is left after all the killing and stuff. Mm -hmm. Ash, I think is, uh, if so, it's I, I just don't have the horror know-how to name it off the top of my head, but Ash is the only survivor male and the most iconic of them at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we see other moments where, like, I this happened, and I was like, someone really let this on screen? Where um, it was Linda, right, is his girlfriend? Um, yes. Linda is, like, laughing at him, and he's like, stop it, and he just, like, starts beating her across the face, and I was like, this is clearly kind of symbolic. <laughs> like, this is pretty messed up. 
Um, oh yeah, because and this is after she's possessed, of course. She's sitting on yeah. the floor doing like an evil cackle, and mm-hmm. he just starts slapping. He, he just her. starts wailing yeah. at her, and I was just like, "This is like that." There's clearly some meaning behind that. That is not just yeah. like, um, like it was clearly the boyfriend beating the girlfriend into like act normal. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting though because yeah, you do also have the other parts of the movie, um that I guess reinforce stereotypes like when all the women stay upstairs while the guys go investigate mm-hmm. and they're, they're making all the decisions and like that, that enforces mm-hmm. some stereotypes. It isn't that harsh cause it is more a result of the times. Um, it's kind of mm-hmm. just what you expect to see on the screen at the times. Not that it's right or anything, but um, yeah, I, I guess it's how you would think at least people watching this uh, back then. It's probably how you would think they would be yeah and um and the harshest scene uh i i can't speak exactly to how it speaks to gender norms and such but the infamous rape scene that was a uh, that was hard to watch honestly that was it was it really was i mean and i don't know how they did it so i mean not even it's weird to say did it well but they did it so effectively i was uncomfortable um, by yeah, all it means was very uncomfortable and uh, yeah i mean it really did feel like you're watching a rape scene because i mean that's what it was yeah. it was just a tree that was doing it which is the weird part mm-hmm. and uh um, what was terrible about it and one of the complaints i have of the movie is that it's so long every scare they do every like chase they do is just mm-hmm. timed out a ridiculous amount i want to go back and count how many times they cut like there's the chase scene right after the rape scene um mm-hmm. And they cut back and forth between like the view of the girl and like back to the girl like 20 times or something. It like she ran a whole marathon yeah. in that time, I swear. Yeah, it, it feels it like she was like a mile away from the house. Yeah, even exactly. She'd only seemingly walks like 50 feet. Like all like there were a lot of things like that that were just prolonged. I felt like it could have been done in half the time, yeah. if not less. And, and of course, it's especially rough with that sort of scene because um I mean, it's just, I don't know, to prolong your audience's viewing of that for that long is just, I don't know. It almost feels kind of cruel. Yeah, it does. Because it's not, I mean, it is scary somewhat, but it's also just disturbing. It's disturbing. And um, what I'm wondering about the morality of putting that on screen, you know, because me too, we see we see a lot of horror. And the truth is, that is a real horror that exists in the world. It's um. Mm -hmm. It is an actually terrifying thing that terrible men do. Um, putting it on screen, it's not what we're used to. It makes us very uncomfortable. It's very taboo. Um, mm-hmm. How wrong is it to put it on screen is my question. And I don't think I can speak to that too much. I don't think I'm in a position where yeah. I can like have any authority or any anything useful to add to that. But it, I want to pose the question out there. Is it yeah. good for them? Like, Is it not good, but is it... Did they have the seat to sit on to do it do they have yeah like can can you include it in the realm of art yeah uh freedom of expression Mm. but yeah it was it was i would like to do like a whole analysis of it based on just gender roles um because i remember i saw something about bruce campbell talking about uh ash being the first kind of guy we see in horror to scream and to be helpless at times and to freeze up um, and it was great to see that. It was. Uh, I liked that a lot. At th- those those times, and of course, because his acting uh, 
you know, is is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you could really feel it too. So I I loved all the scenes that they they sort of messed with his emotion and him freezing up. Like those were some of the best scenes of the movie. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. Yeah, like usually I get really annoyed at the character. You know I me. Mean? I get annoyed at the character when they just won't take action. Yeah. But with him, he made it so believable. Like, he, what are you supposed to do here? Well, speaking of being annoyed at characters, <laughs> mm. uh, I guess I got to talk about why I think of this movie a higher rating. And it all comes down to the fact that the first hour of the movie, you've got all these characters that really kind of suck, to be honest. Yes. I think... The characters that suck the least, number one is the one that Bruce Campbell plays, Ash. Um, and number two, probably Cheryl. Uh, I think they're the best characters. I think um, Ash is the best by far. Mm-hmm. And when I say characters, I mean like uh, how much I care about them. Mm-hmm. But also, it also really comes down to how good their acting is. Because I got to say, Scott's character's actor i'm not a fan <laughs> it wasn't great linda's not a fan um and also uh i think shelly's not not a fan i think linda was a bit better when she was demon possessed i don't think she played the girlfriend role too well like she wasn't weirdly enough she wasn't normal too well but her demon uh i i kind of had fun with her demon role at least yeah like the evil cackling yeah um, she had a great yeah, cackle. that was that was good uh but yeah the those those three though for most of the movie to me they didn't feel real yeah um and and like like you said i do feel like linda feels more real when she's a possessed by a demonic entity uh and i think that's part of why it's really like the last 30 minutes that i feel like this movie shines so well like just when he's alone and all the stuff is happening to him um like when he goes down to the basement and like blood gets all over him or when he like has to decapitate linda and he's feeling all these emotions like i don't know it's just he's disturbed yeah and you can clearly read yes that. and i feel like yeah that, that's just when the movie shines so like the first hour of the movie i give it a five out of ten it's fine <laughs> but the final like 30 minutes is is really good and mm-hmm. I, that really bumps it up for me um one thing i was so impressed with were it's uh it's effects for like they didn't have cg or anything to work with um, oh yeah like i think it was it looked like it was all kind of like stop motion uh for a good for a lot of the effects um and that was it was crazy to see that incorporated they did it really well um even though you can yeah you, you can kind of tell they're messing with clay or something but like it still looks so good yeah i think there's a there must have been a few things that they used but my mm-hmm. guess is i, I know that they must use some sort of like puppets i could see at times um and they must have made like some sort of dummies or something because like that scene where uh which this is one of the grossest scenes to me uh in the whole movie (laughs) is when cheryl stabs linda in the ankle with a pencil oh god it just digs in there and blood comes out and so yeah i agree like one of the things that this movie does super well uh, are those effects and i find them somewhat more effective than a lot of modern effects like how that might look today and i i 100 agree there's a weird thing we have with those kind of old effects that we can almost relate to more than when we see it computer generated or something yeah 
Yeah, and I don't entirely know what it is, but they just kind of go for it, mm-hmm. and it really works. Um, like it, it's very much a gross-out sort of a thing, and it's very effective. Um, it makes me sort of uh, cringe <laughs> and uh, want to look away. So I think they did that um, very well. One thing that uh, a prime example of this is Walking Dead, actually. And it's uh first two seasons, they really didn't do much computer generated work. Um, not that I know of. Like they took a lot of time putting up like um makeup on like a bunch of different actors for zombies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of it just wasn't computer generated. Uh and they started doing that more in later seasons because they needed like really harsh decay on the zombies. So it's understandable, but that's when it starts feeling less believable. Um and I remember one of the things that still sticks with me is when I think his name is T Dog. Um, he cuts his arm open on a car door and that hurts my soul to see that. Like it, it opens up like you would cut open a hot dog or something. I hate it. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, they're using the slices. Yeah. They're using the same kind of thing as they do in this movie, uh, of just, it looks so much more real when you replicate it without computer graphics for some reason, If it feels more relatable. Yeah, and, and I think what you would see, and I'm making an assumption here, but I think what you would see from a lot of movies nowadays is they might want something more because they're like, we got to shock our audience. So maybe she like cuts off her foot, you know? But I feel like it's so much more effective to to have something that people can probably like relate to more. Yeah, well. Uh, and just like stab the pencil like super deep. I feel like a lot of people can imagine what that would be like exactly like a whole foot cut off we, none of us really know what that's like there's some of us out there that are like yeah that does suck and i'm sure it does yeah but uh <laughs> uh everyone's kind of like poke themselves with like the sharp end of a pencil a little bit um yep and we've all probably like had a little stab or something in our hand i don't know but uh that it is like a much more relatable pain as small as it may seem yeah for sure so yeah, that, that's just that's really cool to see in this movie. They're uh, it is. the practical effects, very well done. Um, speak uh, from the effects when all his zombie friends are all melting and whatever, and there there's like a moment of silence, and then these hands burst out of the bodies. You uh, and they mm-hmm. they started just kind of messing around. I don't know, they're all floppy. They're hands. just flailing. Yeah, they're yeah. just flailing around. Which I took to mean it was like the demons possessing them, trying to be like, oh god, please, I don't want to go. Um, mm-hmm. or maybe even just bursting out was my first thought. Um, that was weird. I, and it was, it looked really great. I don't know how well it was placed into the movie. That felt like a little, like a bit of a reach almost to me. It was, it was at that point. I didn't really know what I should feel. Should I feel like, oh no, it's going to go for Ash. They're not really dead. Yeah. Um, which you know, I mean, they've already sort of done that before of like them stabbing. Oh, it's not really dead. So that kind of, you know, that's not really all that mm-hmm. fun. Um, but yeah, I didn't really know entirely what the point of that was. I like your explanation that, oh, it's the demon like reaching out and being like, no, I don't want to die without my host. You know, my host is gone. Yeah. Um, and now I'm just here exposed. Uh, I think that's a cool way to look at it. It was um, it was the best reasoning I could give it, but. Even so, it felt like someone was just like, dude, I can do some really cool effects here. And they're like, all right, go for it. And he just did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, I was looking at the cast for this movie, and there was a guy noted down as playing the demon arms. 
That would be the coolest role to ever have, dude. If I could yeah. tell my grandchildren, like, you see those demon arms? That was me. I would die happy. Something I also realized is, uh, do you know what hmm. a fake shemp is? I have no idea. Okay, yeah, I didn't either. Um, but I was looking at the cast of The Evil Dead, and I noticed there was like 20 fake shemps. Hmm. Um, so it turns out a fake shemp and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this audience, but it turns out that apparently a fake shemp is someone who like takes the place of an actor uh, during a scene and they, they sort of disguise it to make it seem like they're still that actor. Yeah, like a stunt double almost. Yeah, basically like a stunt do- devil, but you're not really doing any stunts. You're just trying to you're pretending to be that character. Hmm. And thinking back to the little bit of background I gave on this movie where they ran out of money halfway through, I imagine they probably couldn't pay the actors. And I think Bruce Campbell stuck around because he was they were there. The creators were friends with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's probably that might be part of why he's the last one in the movie. <laughs> but uh, I, I have to imagine that they couldn't pay any of the other actors. So that- I wonder if. They, they had to, like, substitute random people in for certain scenes that they never got and sort of stitch it together with scenes they had of the actors. That is crazy. Wow. Yeah. And, um, also, and, and I, I, I also have to imagine that once they really turn into demons and, like, really demons where you can't even see their face, uh, that that must not be the actors at all by that point. So so that's really interesting. <laughs> no, yeah, that's... Um, that is crazy. Uh, you... Looking back on it, you really don't see the actors' faces all that much, honestly. Um, I think it's all covered up by hair or something. It's just the back of their head. It's all implied. So that is yeah, and especially crazy. especially once they're uh, turned demons, like they're so covered in makeup that I it mean, could be anyone. It doesn't yeah. have to be. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's so interesting. Um, I mean, they did it really well. Like I was never like, that's not the same guy. No, yeah, I I had no clue. So props to them for being able to pull that off. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that this movie got made with the amount of trouble they had. <laughs> and why? Yeah, the fact it pulled through is crazy. Um, I, I was I was looking at some trivia, and apparently, uh, the cabin that they that they eventually found. First of all, they had a terrible time trying to find cabins. Like they couldn't find any cabins. Hmm. Um, and eventually, they they got one that was actually nearby where they were uh, sort of living uh, for the movie. And uh, it was full of horse shit <laughs> and like was super dilapidated. So oh, they had God. to like renovate it and uh, add electricity. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Really weird stuff. Apparently it was also so cold that the cables for their cameras and devices would freeze and they had to thaw them next to the fire in the cabin. That, <laughs> that's just crafty right there. But <laughs> Like they're ta- they're making this movie of people trapped in a cabin, and here they are trapped in a cabin filming the movie. That's just well, and that's gotta suck on the actors because they really weren't wearing like clothing made for that kind of weather. So the fact yeah, that it was really, like they freezing, really to, they really had to have that fire on. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I imagine like they had they were like bundled up like behind, like when they weren't shooting, and then there was just oh, like yeah. Do I really I have to take the jacket off again. <laughs> I remember in this scene you're warm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, man. like i wonder how much makeup went into making their noses like not red you know um <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's uh, absolutely crazy 
one of the great things that this movie does that I think a lot of movies try to pull off and some hit it, some don't, but this one really pulled it off, oddly enough, was the perspective of the evil, you know? Um, we see... Oh, yeah, like with the camera? Yeah, the camera sometimes is just like, I guess what is supposed to just be like the forest. We don't really know what it is. It's um, the entity. Yeah, it's, it's like, just charging it, yeah. at them, being all scary, uh, all up in their face. Uh, and we also see it from, was it Cheryl in the cellar? Uh, her watching everybody talking about what to do, what the next steps are. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we yeah, see her like peering from the cellar, and that was a really cool view. I like that. It is. And I think what I've learned from that by watching this movie is using the camera to represent something. And I don't even necessarily know how they do it completely, but once you shift the camera from just being a camera, like the view of the audience to the view of something else, suddenly just from the point of view of the camera, you feel like the characters are being watched from the point of view that you are watching from. Yeah. Which is so cool. And, and I, I was super impressed with this. You know, I it was fine with the camera running through the forest. Like, okay, there's something out there. But when I really started to like it, is when the camera's peeking in through the windows. Yeah. And like going from window to window, like staring at them, like getting ready for bed. That is such a cool way to make it feel like the characters are being watched without having to do anything else. I, I thought that was great. It is. It is really great. And um, it works so well, especially in like slashers. I think it works a little bit in this movie, but of just putting you in this weird position of like wh- whose eyes am I looking through? Like when the it's kind of a whodunit kind of thing and mm-hmm. uh, someone's peering at a couple talking through the bushes, you're just like, why? It makes you question like, why am I here? Why am I watching this couple? What is my motive? Um, it really makes you identify with the killer to a different way that you wouldn't before. Um, I think yeah. just like kind of subconsciously in a way we do it. Yeah, and it's, it's also... Um... We got to bring this up like every episode, but when you when you think about the ambiguity of uh, of of whatever's scary, right? In this case, the entity. It's so clever to use the camera to sort of be its perspective because you can then have it do things while also completely preventing the audience from seeing what it is. Yeah, and one hundred percent. Uh, you know, I do have uh, I do have another complaint about this movie. Oh, okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it again. So I know that I think it's very when it comes to supernatural horror. Mm-hmm. I I'm really I'm I'm cool with supernatural horror. I think it can be extremely effective. Uh, however, I think for it to really work, you need to have rules because you're essentially instead of it just being the real world which has its own rules and you can do horror through the rules of the real of the real world right? yeah when you're doing it in supernatural you're you're sort of acting on your own rules and if your rules are super loose and you can kind of do whatever you want i think it makes the horror less effective because you're not really bringing us into this world you're not bringing in us into the supernatural so that we find it believable so that we think about it at night um and I think for this movie, I, it's not the worst I've seen at all. But for me, the backstory that we get, the sort of reason behind the Evil Dead is a little silly. <laughs> yeah, it's a little contrived. Um, 
And I want to say that's partially just because that wasn't where their focus was. And I also want to say it's partially because we didn't desire that kind of complex rule, uh, like world bending that yeah. we needed before uh, back in that and time. Yeah, They're, they they were the presets. They were the pioneers into this, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So we've seen all that before. So now we're kind of spoiled and want our good explanations and stuff. Where back then it was enough to like, oh, they read they read words so now things are bad um yeah exactly and 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 just you know it's simple things like uh and it doesn't have to be super complex or anything um and it did have some rules right so again it wasn't bad it was just a little silly but uh like it had hey you know you gotta uh dismember the person dude that rule that rule messed me up i did not like that rule that that was annoying yeah, because I was like, to what degree are they dismembered? Like, how far do exactly. you gotta go? Exactly. Well, this is what I'm saying. Is <laughs> <laughs> like you have these sort of rules, but uh, they're yeah, and and what these would allow you to do when you sort of make this new world for your audience to be involved in is it allows you to make reveals. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was this all along, or uh, or um, this is why it happens, or they shouldn't have done this. Like, I don't know, just some sort of reveal. Yeah. Uh, to sort of complete the circle but i think again because what they had was uh so loosey-goosey yeah it was it was, it was silly it, um <laughs> it, it didn't really uh it didn't it didn't hit the mark i think in a lot of ways and uh so, i think not cr- super annoyed about it but that's that's one of my complaints i hear that yeah um and i think the creators kind of embrace this like loosey-goosey attitude later because the other movies just get they get out of hand i don't know if you've ever seen them but uh, it's hilarious. Like I, I never seen the first one, but I've seen like a couple of the other later ones for some reason. And uh, uh this first one, later ones of what? The la- just the later iterations of Evil Dead. Oh, um, right. And they they get just ridiculous with some of their like reasonings and stuff. It's hilarious. Um, so they kind of embrace that uh strange attitude they took towards it. That kind of like loosey goosey mm-hmm. rule bending stuff. Um. And this, uh, the first one, though, it felt like it was kind of a mistake. They just like, we're making a movie and that just kind of ended up what it was. They embraced it later. <laughs> um, right. So it was fun. Um, one thing I will give them with the, the whole like haunting and stuff that they set up, I thought it was really cool that like some stupid kid didn't just pull up a book and decide to read the Latin in there for some reason. Um, it, 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 the, the demons were summoned because... The professor guy, uh, the archaeologist, he was reading it on the recordings that they were listening mm-hmm. to. And I thought that was kind of like a neat process to go through because uh, someone was they made it still like it would have been cheap if they accidentally just let it keep running. And so mm-hmm. by doing that, the demons were summoned. But like one girl was saying, like, stop playing that. That's awful. And the guy was like, I'm not going to stop doing that. I'm a jerk. Um <laughs> and so and because of that the incantations were read and i thought that was kind of an interesting introduction i'll give them that much yeah i i agree i like i like the approach they took with it being an an archaeologist and uh he was reading uh in tapes i, I think that was a good way to do it mm-hmm. uh especially since i mean no one can read that book <laughs> exactly um so i think that was a good way to do it uh there's only it, it is what does add to the silliness for me, of course, is that, oh, it's the Book of the Dead from Samaria. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, all right. I mean, it's 1981, so I'll, I'll give you a pass. But, <laughs> uh, you know, if this was made today, I'm like, that's really silly. Yeah, it's there's a lot. <laughs> Anyways, is, is, are there any last things you want to say? Because I'm thinking we got to move to the surveys actually kind of soon here because we got a lot of surveys this time. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into the surveys. Uh, I guess just to sort of summarize my thoughts. What this movie did well was the effects, especially the wounds. Uh, I liked the camera movement. It it definitely surprised me at times with its uh, creativeness, with all the blood that would come out. Um, was uh, really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. And and of course, just the last thirty minutes of the movie is just really good. Mm. It was, it was mostly it was because of the character of Ash, uh, because of Bruce Campbell's ability to portray him. Was really good. Um, and then what it didn't do, what it didn't do so well is having characters I care about. Uh, I felt I did care about Ash somewhat, but most of the other characters, eh. Yeah. Uh, and it it didn't have the best acting except for Bruce Campbell. Um, the characters did do some dumb things. Uh, you did you had Cheryl going off into the forest by herself at night, uh, thinking that someone was out there, mind you. Mm. she was like i think there's someone outside i'm going to go outside by myself and investigate (laughs) well of course uh and then uh like i said the little backstory we got for why these things were happening was a little it was a little silly Mm -hmm. um i think this was bruce campbell's kind of like introduction into acting i think this was his first or one of his first if not his first like role um so it's cool seeing well, good, his kind good of job, Bruce. yeah he was he's, he was born for it um so uh yeah i think that sums up the my summary pretty well too i i would 100 agree um well, awesome i want to say i'm looking through these surveys and what's bothering me right now is i i think this is probably um causation over correlation but there is a 100% correlation of did you enjoy the movie to does Bruce Campbell make the unibrow work? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't looked Ooh. through the uh, I haven't looked through the individual responses, but I want to say that whoever wasn't scared, like whoever did not enjoy the movie also didn't think he made the unibrow work. So I'm this is just going to be my theory just straight up. <laughs> I like the theory. Um also, I haven't looked at any of the results, so is there anything you want me to guess? Oh, okay. Um, oh, 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 oh. Of our four paths of fear, so mm-hmm. our four paths being gruesome injuries happening in front of you, feeling something or someone watching you, your friends becoming something else and turning on you, and hearing strange voices outside, which do you think scare people the most? Oh, man. I think this is between your friends being different and someone watching you interesting Uh, so i wonder if because i know that in the tall grass we had a similar one of like your friends turning against you Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to remember (laughs) if most people said that or something else i think it was that one um what i can tell you is i'll go i'll go for that one no one was afraid of something or someone watching them that's fine with them um 
If that's the oh, case, okay. you guys just go get OnlyFans at this point, guys. <laughs> well, to be fair, it doesn't mean you're not scared of it. It just means you're not as scared yeah, no. of it as the other. It's thing. Uh, <laughs> no, the the main one was gruesome injuries happening in front of you. That was our. Oh, I should have said that one um, because, of course, we were talking about how well done the injuries. Yeah, exactly, were. <laughs> and it just speaks to the effects, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, we have our gruesome injuries was fifty seven percent, uh, fifty seven point one. If we're getting all specific uh your friends becoming something else and turning on you was our second most 28.6 percent and then hearing strange voices outside was our 14.3 um, percent yeah so yeah it was it was it was a good spread i think and yeah the gruesome injuries i think just had to take it with that pencil in the ankle yeah just the way that they did it in the movie um yeah i, I gotta agree with that uh i will say i feel like there is something very specific about feeling something or someone watching you though i feel like that's a feeling that everyone has had at some point oh, even yeah. if it's for no good reason um i think that's especially creepy i think it is creepy i think that this movie didn't like while they kind of portrayed it it was kind of more of just an interesting camera trick that we saw is mm -hmm. kind of how we perceived it over actually being terrifying um it was a cool angle to us it wasn't portrayed as like something really scary i yeah. think i, I think and, in a different setting yes that would have been the one and it's probably because even though we knew that the character was being watched and we did get some reaction from them like i don't know opening a curtain and looking outside or something but they never really uh sort of expressed that they felt like they were being watched that mm -hmm. much so that, that's probably why we didn't um feel it as much in this movie and this so what actually really impressed me about this movie was how much did it scare you? Uh, we usually have a good range. We have some people that are uh, horror veterans, so they, they're they never scared. We usually see like a one or two from them. And then we have our, uh, our people that do not handle horror as well, and they usually hit that 9 to 10 range. This one, we didn't see any 1s or 2s. We didn't see any 10s, but we didn't see any 1s or 2s. Our minimum was 3, which surprises me. That was, that's actually kind of up there as a minimum. Yeah, given the given how old the movie is, it's a, a very impressive. I mean, you compare that to, uh, say, say Underwater, mm -hmm. uh, was a recent one that we did. I think it was much much lower. Oh yeah, it wasn't. It didn't scare you quite like this. It didn't make you feel uncomfortable like this one did. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, and one of the questions relating to that was, how well do you think the effects hold up? Uh, we have some hold up, and. Lots of people were singing their praise. Uh, they were surprised. They surprised me the most. I was expecting crappy '80s effects, but I think they're actually frightening. Um, some say surprisingly well, given their money and the time period. They think that sticking to more pra practical effects for a lot of it really helps, which is what we were talking mm -hmm. about. Um, someone says they didn't, uh, <laughs> which I that's fair. If they didn't do it for you, they didn't do it for you. Um, this person gave them some pretty good credit. They said while some were extremely outdated. Uh, some of the techniques they really enjoyed, mainly that being of the stop motion elements. Um, but they said there was way too much blood and cuts and eyeball jabbing and pencil stabbing and you and no thank you and I will not be sleeping. Um, all in caps for that last bit. Uh, this one says the pencil in the ankle was good, otherwise meh, which, yeah, that was kind of the, weirdly enough, that was the big scene of the movie was that pencil in the ankle. And uh, the last one is, they weren't scary, but they were definitely creepy and gory enough to be unsettling, which I think is fair. They didn't necessarily have to scare you, but yeah, they did make you sit at the edge of your seat like, oh, God, I don't like this. And you retreat mm -hmm. somewhere. Um, I want to ask you, Ian, 
so our last question here is would you ever read devil chant out of a book would you try to read the like let's say you found one that was written in german because you can you can read german because for some reason anytime they find these things someone can read the language no matter what it is so let's say they uh they found one in german would you read these weird words out of german you know, it was really funny because when you first said, oh, would you read it? I'm like, like Latin with demon symbols? Nah. But then you said, would you read it if it was German? I'm like, holy crap, I would totally read that. <laughs> exactly. I would read the heck out of that. I would read the whole thing, man. Yeah. No, I would read it out loud to everyone. It's, no doubt. It's different when you kind of have the skill set for some reason. Um, yeah, because you're like, oh, my God. Like, you know, I could imagine like someone did Latin for like four years in high school and they're, they're like, finally, it comes in handy. <laughs> exactly. Like with I, German, I, you get something out of it. You can go to Germany and speak totally. to people. You can't just go to yeah. Australia and be like Latin phrases. And then they're just like, shut up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid American. Yeah, like, gosh. Uh, yeah, I got to say, I would totally read it. So suddenly I understand why people read these things in horror movies. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, how about you? Um, if it was oh, do, even if in it, Spanish, would you read it? Like I could probably read a little Latin because I know Spanish decently and I know a bit of French. Mm -hmm. So I could probably like make out some Latin. Uh, I'm the guy that would 100% read it just because like I don't buy into it. And it would be so interesting to see like if something happened, I'd be like, yeah. maybe I should buy into it. Maybe there's something to this. Um. Mm -hmm. Even though it would probably like just release the gates of hell onto me or something, I don't know. But I have such a strong belief that it wouldn't, nothing would happen that I would feel comfortable. But it'd be kind of a thriller to do it, anyways. Um. So yeah, don't if don't let me touch the strange book if we're ever exploring creepy places. <laughs> yeah. Well, same here. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I mean, especially like, especially like just specifically if it's in German, like I'd think, oh, you know, there's all these uh, German kids stories that I've read that are horrific, <laughs> um, like all these terrible things happen in them. And it's just so interesting to read these old like kids stories. It'd be the same thing here. It's like, wow, it's like an old satanic German book. I definitely want to read that. Yeah, we don't yeah, think I much mean, of it. I, I would totally. Yeah. So there you go. Um so what are we, what does our audience think uh most of our audience said just no like straight up no uh <laughs> someone said no because i never read out loud and you know what that's fair um <laughs> i guess you don't want to share with your friends or whatever <laughs> um people some most for the general feel of it it was just say, like don't tempt fate um like if even if it's not real why risk it uh our one person said depends on the book and on the devil which was interesting that like you would see the book and you'd be like that isn't the christian devil dude i don't know maybe he's maybe he's like a nicer <laughs> devil or something i don't know <laughs> could be could be worth it, <laughs> it depends on what kind yeah. of devil like if i read this <laughs> is it just gonna be like you know kind of yeah. uh like sort of small devil or like, is it gonna be like big old cthulhu yeah, like just gonna set my eyes on fire or just kind of like poke me with his pitchfork like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it's it's really cool stuff i i appreciate the responses in that there were some great responses i want to end off by actually revisiting something i forgot to talk about i love the demons attitudes which is strange but the whole time they're clearly toying with everybody they aren't just out to like they're malicious of course their toying is just trying to cause these people pain and fear and despair and all but um, 
the whole time they're like playful and they're just like these these humans that have stumbled in and accidentally summon them are their play toys that's and that's 100% how they treat them mm-hmm. um and i thought that was really cool seeing all that they didn't they didn't feel rushed to try to like take them out one by one they were taking their time because they just like seeing them suffer yeah well i mean also uh looking back at that scene when uh, possessed linda starts cackling evilly at uh at ash when when you think about that it laughing is so much scarier than it i don't know screeching at you or something oh yeah because when it's being aggressive okay i understand that fight or flight but when it's cackling at you that is just super scary because it's on another level of i'm screwed because obviously this thing knows exactly what's going on and i don't yeah it's confusing and it's that's this fear and that confusion i 100 percent agree um and that wraps up my thoughts, Ian. Anything else you want to point out? Oh, wait, I need to actually see. I need to see who this person was that said no on the unibrow. This is important to me. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to do that. Um, well, well you, while you find that, I do want to say, I bet that the reason why we got pretty much all no's from would you ever read a devil chant out of a book um, is because we phrased it specifically as a devil chant i feel like if people if it was like oh you know if you saw like a book with like a demon on the cover if it was wrapped in like some sort of leathery material uh and inside were pictures of demonic uh symbols and all that um would you read a portion that you could understand but at the end of the day it's just a book that you can read yeah because then like i feel more like when you look at it from that perspective where you don't actually know that it's a double chant or like you do, but like you don't know that it will do anything. Mm-hmm. Then I feel like that curiosity can very much get the best of you. No, I feel that. I think that would have been a better way to phrase it for sure. Um, it turns out that the person who didn't like the movie and who didn't think Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell worked the unibrow is a, uh, it's two different people, which just destroys my theory. So I, I think it just destroys you emotionally as well. I, I am hurt actually. I <laughs> I'm trying to recover right now. We need to, we need to end soon because there's gonna be tears. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, all in all, I'm impressed with the movie. So good job to them, especially with all those adversities in their way. Yeah, with I mean, running out of money, and I don't know if you heard this, but they were down to like the cameraman, the sound guy, and the cook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, uh, first of all, yeah. why is there a cook still there? <laughs> <laughs> and also, wow, these people must be about, fed. <laughs> talk about a skeleton crew. I know. <laughs> wow. Props to that cook. I want to meet that cook one day, dude. If we ever do interviews <laughs> on this podcast, I want to interview that cook, please. Just <laughs> like, man, yeah. What made you surface? Stay? You kept these artists fed yeah. so they weren't starving artists. They were just <laughs> artists out of money. <laughs> They weren't proper starving artists. Yeah, uh, man. Well, uh, if you're if you're interested in joining our audience, so that you can watch these weekly horror movies as well and fill out our survey so we can get your thoughts, then go ahead and follow the Discord link in the episode description. And uh, we also stream on Twitch uh, Wednesdays and Saturdays, seven oh six Mountain Standard Time. Yeah, twitch.tv slash Passofear. Mm-hmm. And we have a we we haven't done too much on YouTube, but we do have a YouTube of the same name. There you go. All right. Thanks for listening.
Ciao.